Hello. Russian forces have launched a major military assault on Ukraine in what the EU has described as one of the darkest hours for Europe since the Second World War. I'm Carsten Röhmheld and I'm joined now by Fidelity International's Global Chief Investment Officer, Andrew McCaffrey. Hello, Andrew. Hello, Carsten. Andrew, we're still in shock about what, what happened. Uh, beside the obvious and tragic humanitarian consequences, what are some of the economic implications that you see right now? Yes, as you said, uh, we can't uh, overstate the uh, humanitarian uh, impact and uh, we should all uh, you know, consider how uh, upsetting that is. But when we look at what could be the playthrough to the economy, then I do think that there are a few things we need to bear in mind. One is that obviously the whole impact of the energy price um, gains that we've had, how this is playing through access to energy, especially for, for Europe, um, what that could mean, not just in terms of the inflationary um, bias that it plays to, by the fact that it could have the opportunity we saw for the base effects to bring inflation down as we went you know, through the next few months. Actually, does it help to retain some of that implied pressure in the system uh, uh, you know, for inflation? But also, and I think this is uh, you know, one of the greater risks, is that if these prices stay high, and this isn't just about going higher, but you know, have these sorts of levels and the way that plays back into the economy, then it acts as a very distinct consumption tax as well in drawing away from other activity, uh, you know, just at a time that we were seeing recovery taking hold, a lot of the economy is opening as the sort of post-COVID environment uh, and just taking some of that uh, real momentum that uh, we had seen. And that will have an impact if it creates a stagflationary environment for uh, you know, many people um, and their decision making around the, the moment as well is going to be impacted by uncertainty. And so that in itself will play through into both markets, but also into economic decision making. Stagflation is a really bad thing to expect. And so I think central banks will have a tough time facing this situation. How do you think that impacts the central bank policies and the paths to a hiking cycle uh, going forward? And how are financial conditions overall impacted by this? Well, Carsten, as you know, that we've been speaking about for a while is that we didn't expect that central banks would follow through to the degree that uh, both some commentators were making, but also what the markets were starting to discount um, uh, as we've come through recent weeks. Obviously, some of that is starting to come out from the market, uh, as we've seen that the shape of curves um, have suggested that uh, the expectation is that it will be below what um, some of the uh, you know, implied strategies for um, uh, interest rate movements over the next couple of years would be. Um, but also that you know, we felt that there was a very strong bias of getting the markets to do the work, talking um, uh, around what the concerns were, um, but then not following through as quickly in actions. And I think that's if some ways has been accentuated by the events that we're now seeing that they will be slower to um, act in terms of tightening in terms of some of the policy uh, activity I don't think they can roll back just yet um, uh, on what they've been saying and that sort of relative uh, hawkishness. But what we will see is that markets will be looking that uh, it will be very difficult for central banks to be able to follow through with very rapid rate increases if so much uncertainty is being introduced back into the global economy and into that forward-looking um, risks around growth. 
And how do you see the regional differences playing out in this crisis? Well, I think that uh, yeah, the direct impact is again through that energy channel and the fact that you know, Europe is such a big buyer of um, uh, of, of energy uh, from Russia. But Russia, you know, also it's a very important source of revenue um, coming from Europe. So I think you know, the challenge now is looking through you know, how do the sanctions play out? You know, how significant are they? How are they implemented? What are the uh, you know, impact that could flow through from that? How's that again, back to my point on the energy um, uh, side, is that does it, you know, keep prices elevated for, for longer as it um, keeps the tension up. Now, obviously, for Europe, I think it's a more direct impact. And we've been ha seeing some of the cost of living challenges uh, you're already developing. This could actually flow through and hit that more, as I said, on the sort of consumption side. I don't think that other parts of the developed world are uh, you know, immune to this as well, though, because when we look to the US, we've had there actually more signs of structural inflation building Uh, in the sense of that wage and price um, uh, you know, mini spiral developing and expectations um, showing signs of picking up. We have uh, you know, some of the supply chain elements that we felt would gradually be dissipating. Maybe, sadly, they stay a little bit more in place and a bit more um, problematic uh, for longer. And that will impact the US. And again, I think this is where looking at, um, uh, you know, it'd be the ECB trying to assess this, but also for the Federal Reserve, that you've got this sort of balancing act between risks to forward growth, that little bit more persistent uh, inflation, and how do they get to their sort of, you know, forward soft landing um, through all this has just become more complicated. You talked about sanctions that could be imposed on Russia. Can you give us a bit of a scenario analysis? What could happen in the case of severe sanctions or less severe sanctions going forward? Well, I think that you know, we've seen um, some of the starting sanctions as were, were announced already um, uh, you know, this week. And uh, those you know, very much targeted to key individuals, to key activities, to um, you know, try and shut off some of the, the access. If that escalates, it's really how do they very fully shut off access to uh, you know, all forms of, of capital and um, uh, and also you know, goods and uh, uh, the needs that they have as uh, a country. Um, but one of the things that clearly we've seen as well against the sanctions is that President Putin has clearly been building up quite a significant you know, reserves war chest. He's been uh, you know, making sure that they have been able to access um, you know, areas that they need in terms of production and also to be able to sell uh, you know, what they produce, which obviously is so much in the energy side, but also things like fertilizer, you know, their largest uh, um, you know, producer and seller around the world. So you know, there will be complications in the and NATO and the US-EU uh, You know, if they can ensure that they are really you know, causing pain that we felt quickly, um, then you know, that will be something that obviously we look out for because it you know, maybe brings things to a more even kill sooner. But that, unfortunately, I think with today's events where we went from what we thought would be incursions to be in a major uh, attack across um, you know, Ukraine, uh, you know, somewhat complicates. And so I think the sanctions and the timing will have to ratchet up more um, through time. And the real part that's very difficult to, to know from here is how this plays back into um, you know, uh, 
things like SWIFT and payments and capital access, those really would be very significant moves because you know, some of the, the sort of secondary and tertiary effects could actually play back against the, the West if it promotes more use outside of the dollar and outside of that payment system. So you know, I think there's going to be some very uh, you know, distinct and patient thinking around actions like that. So it'll be much more focused on how can they really cut off uh, you know, what the economy needs uh, in Russia. Before this war, we talked about the different paths of economic policy and central bank policies across the world and that Asia, especially China, is on a very different path right now. How do you see uh, China in this context um, of you know, more severe uh, economic implications for uh, Europe, uh, for example? Well, I think that you can't ignore that, um, you know, as a net energy uh, buyer and all this press, that, uh, uh, that obviously the cost of energy increasing is going to be uh, felt. But I think that you know, there's substantial um, uh, you know, difference in position for China and some of the Asian countries, not just because of the geographic position, but because of where they were in their policy positions as well. That we've seen China move from a attempt to really sort of stabilize um, you know, the economies we were coming to the latter part of last year, but now move much more to stimulate because they'd seen growth being weaker, that they want to ensure that actually they can hit their 5% or higher target. So at least they will be providing stimulus to try and uh, achieve that, which I think gives a better background and tailwind. We've also, because of last year, that markets have moved to valuations that were uh, you know, much more attractive. And so the risk-reward profile had changed substantially. And then all of this also gives a, a good backdrop to um, you know, interest rate and therefore to bond markets uh, in China and also to some of the other parts of the Asia and emerging market where, where they've been more aggressive in tightening and building up a relatively strong position that they could now actually turn around and uh, start to be a little bit more stimulative if they need to be. A final question, as we see risk assets um, being traded down heavily today, how is the situation overall affecting your core asset allocation view? Well, I think it's uh, you know, still premature to be able to do anything aggressively. Um, but you know, we were fortunate that we came into this position um, being relatively underweight in risk. Um, that that was reflected to a degree in um, uh, across some uh, equity allocations where actually there was more of a, a mix of across markets um, and a, a more neutral overall stance. But that was uh, through being underweight in the US, having a degree of UK, Japan, but also uh, looking to EM and, and China, especially uh, uh, for some of the reasons I've just said. And we don't see that changing. Maybe one of the things that we will think about is that as we've seen markets come off and as uh, you know, we sort of try to assess you know, panic reactions and how those economic fundamentals play out is that uh, are there attractive entry points um, for some of those uh, uh, ideas to be topped up on and to take risk up a little bit. But, you know, we've also had slightly uh, underweight in some of the parts of the credit markets. Uh, again, we've seen those you know, spread movements. So uh, they're looking that, um, you know, if they got to uh, valuations that will be uh, more attractive to, to take some of that back. 
Uh, again, some of our short duration profile we had actually been um, taking back as well. So just uh, buying a little bit more um, bond exposure. We don't believe in that longer term. So that would be something to look the other side as if we feel that markets get a little bit ahead and, and yields come down actually to reset some of those um, positions. And the overall part is that really now is that with some of the hedges in, in that we've created across asset allocation exposures, you know, when do you take some of those off as well? Um, you know, just to try and give again that little bit of uh, risk appetite uptick if we see attractive enough, um, you know, both valuations, but also a little bit of clarity on uh, what some of the more likely scenarios are. And that, that will take, you know, a little bit of time. It's not going to come immediately. We had better wrap it up there. Thank you very much for taking the time to talk to me today, Andrew. And thank you for listening. You can read more from Andrew and our investment teams on the crisis in Ukraine on your local Fidelity website or at fidelityinternational.com. The producer today was Holly Eastman with technical support from Alex Wilcox. From all of us at Fidelity, goodbye. This podcast is for investment professionals only and should not be relied on by private investors. This podcast is provided for informational purposes only and is intended only for the person or entities to which it is sent. It must not be reproduced or circulated to any other party without prior permission of fidelity. The value of investments can go down as well as up, so you may get back less than you invest. For other important legal notices, please see our website.